Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy. Wait, wait, wait. <sighs> Do we just like look at each other? Like we don't look at the camera, right? No. Stare at the camera the whole time. <laughs> Welcome to the Zero Podcast. We're back for another episode. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> camera one, camera two. This is weird if we just did this, eh? <laughs> no, that's officially the start of the episode. We're sponsored by Establishment Coffee. Use the code zero twenty five for twenty five percent off and free shipping. Very special guest. We keep saying we're going to get you on. We'll finally twist your arm. Welcome, Rochelle Howe. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good. Damn, <laughs> like that one? Original. Welcome. Rochelle is our head nutrition honcho at Zero. Um, she does a great deal of nutrition coaching. Uh, Becca Stevenson up in Mackay, she does a ton of it as well. Um, they are the brain's trust of nutrition at zero. And every time we get nutrition questions on this podcast, where I was like, yeah, we'll get Rochelle on for an episode. So we finally dragged you along. Yes. Welcome. Thank you. How are you feeling? Um, a bit nervous. Not really my thing, but you said you'd hold Daniel hostage if I didn't come <laughs> on. So <laughs> I guess I had to come. Gonna do it anyway. <laughs> All right. James, what are you grateful for? Oh, yes. Rochelle, I don't know if you listen to the podcast. Mm. We say something that we're grateful for okay. uh, at the start of every episode. It you know, sets us in the right trajectory. Uh, tra- that word. Tra- yeah, for the episode. Uh, so today I am grateful for it being Friday. Had a good week, but now it's over. The weekend is upon us. Nice. Got plans for the weekend? Um, mm, not really. Well, I do. I'll be... Uh, it's just a weird episode to talk about this, but I'll be going partying. So I'll be doing lots of drinking, lots of eating. All in moderation, though. Nice. Mm. I've never known you to be a partier. This is strange. <laughs> <laughs> Rochelle, what are you grateful for? Damn. Um, uh, like this week or just in general? In general. Whatever okay. your heart feels. I am grateful for the training that I've been doing lately. So I've been mixing up my training lately. Um, I've been doing some tri training and I fucking love it. And it's just made me really happy the last few months. Awesome. Yeah. So good. We spoke about you and that on the last episode, in uh-huh. fact. There you mm. go. Yeah. Yes, okay. Bridget, what are you grateful for today? Pastries. Nice. <laughs> I eat them every day and I didn't have one this morning and I missed it. So. Wh- which pastry in general? Go top two. Top two, uh, almond croissant and pain au chocolat. Oh, pain au chocolat. Oui, oui. What am I grateful for? I'm grateful for Rochelle. If it, if it wasn't for Rochelle, I'd still be coaching nutrition, <laughs> <laughs> which is is one of my many favorite things. No, Rochelle has had a, a weapon run from being chucked right in the deep end to taking everyone on board and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, tell us about yourself. How did you find training? Like, where did it all begin for you? Um, so I started like just with a PT with my sister when we were like 20. Uh, we just did like a two-on-one thing with like a PT. Um, as that went on, just started training. Uh, Daniel and I got together, started training with him. The PT started getting a bit creepy, was really inappropriate. So Daniel's like, come train with me. So we started training together. It was really funny. We used to train at a commercial gym in Melbourne. Um, and they used to have bars. Like I never bench pressed or anything like that before. And they'd have like 10, 12 and a half, 15 like kilo bars and I could only like bench press like the 12 and a half kilo bar like that's as strong as I could get and 
he would like the rack would have like the three notches because it was mm. a commercial gym. He would have his on the top, and mine would just be like this little twelve and a half kilo bar that I was benching. And I had no idea what I was doing, so he helped me a lot. And then just sort of like progressed from there. Um, did some stuff in between. Trained at like another sort of like women's only sort of thing. Um, and then just yeah, just kept strength training. Obviously met you, um, and then progressed from there. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So we didn't actually touch on the fact that uh, Rochelle owns Zero Southside yeah. with Daniel Carpenter, her fiance. Fiance. It's a very French episode today. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's really cool. And so was it was it sort of strength training and, and lifting weights from the start? Did you play sports before that? Yeah, I played netball um, since I was like ten till maybe like seventeen, um, and I was actually pretty good. I and I. Being from Melbourne, I always played AFL as well. So, mm-hmm. like, I played a lot of footy. Um, so, yeah, did that and then sort of progressed to just the strength training. But really enjoyed netball and footy. Didn't you get back into AFL yeah. recently? Yeah. So, Lucy, the coach from Southside, um, her boyfriend played it, like, just casually on a Monday night. And they're like, we need a girl. Can you play? And I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Just like a, you guys call it touch. It was like seven aside or whatever it is, touch AFL. Do you still play it or is it just the one-off thing? Um, no, we played a few times, um, but just because Lucy was away in placement, like it sort of just eased off a little bit. Yeah. yeah. She's a bit of a hybrid athlete, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Swimming, running, <laughs> AFL, cycling, cycling AFL, netball. Mm. <laughs> lifting. <laughs> yeah. What a yeah. So you mentioned in your in your gratitude that you're loving your, your style of training now, so triathlon sort of stuff. What sort of prompted the love for that? I, well, over COVID, got a mountain bike and just started, like, riding through the forest with Daniel um, and really started enjoying it. Just, just being outside. Um, so, I just, I was, like, smashing my mountain bike, you know, doing easily 30, 40 Ks on that. And then I was, like, I really enjoy this. I want to progress this. So, ended up getting a road bike and really enjoyed riding. I could ride, like, five, six hours with my eyes closed and just absolutely enjoy it. Um, and then a friend sort of said, oh, like, let's trained towards a triathlon so doing swimming swimming I've always been okay at but being a beginner again we got a coach um which has been so beneficial and just doing that twice a week riding twice a week and running I've always been okay runner as well so I used to run all the time as well so doing that mm-hmm. it's been awesome as well as strength training four times a week as well and have, have you got your eyes on a um on a triathlon yeah so the end of November uh there's one Bridget just asked me where it is before is that the Malulaba one it's on the border of uh, Queensland and New South. I'm still really bad with... I was saying Tweed Heads, maybe. I think maybe mm. around Tweed, there. Tweed, Bar, yeah. something like that. It's sort of like after Worlds, after the st- after States, after the Worlds, um, like mid-end of November. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And how are you feeling for that? Good. How are you feeling given that it's bird season coming up? <laughs> <laughs> Swoopy boy oh. season. So I got really fucked up by a magpie like last year. I don't know if yeah. you guys know. KO'd me on like a main road. I stacked <laughs> it so hard. Like my whole thighs were just covered in gravel. Like I stacked it really hard. I like PTSD from it for like three months. I refused to ride my bike. Um, and Daniel's like, I'll ride with you because I know how much you love this. So like I wouldn't ride without him. I just had like crazy PTSD mm. from like... And then it, it's insane that like I would just be walking and I'd see the magpie like behind my shoulder like I was just like wow this is actual PTSD from this but yeah anyways that scares me a bit but yeah, yeah. did you ever do the um you know how you the see people with the ties on the helmet <laughs> I can't bring myself to do I, it I'd <laughs> honestly if I saw you with that I'd beat you up <laughs> well there you go yeah, yeah. I, 
Yeah. Thomas, yeah. you would have remembered this. Can you remember when Aiden Potts used to post on when he was a postie? When he was a postie and get messed up every time. Yeah, yeah. so he'd get chased by magpies every time on his post bike. And what he'd, he'd end up putting his uh, camera there on selfie cam and filming it and putting it on Instagram. <laughs> and every week he'd have this stick and he'd be zooming down the road <laughs> with all these magpies chasing him. He's swinging the stick around. It was so funny. They're terrifying. Like, yeah. they're my biggest fear. I've always had a fear of them since I was like 10. Mm. And getting, I've got swooped when I was a kid. I got swooped when I was like 19. And then again on Logan Road. And I just got really messed up from it. So it, it's just like it actually hurts, eh? Hey, getting hit by a magpie. Insane. It feels like you've been punched in the head. Mm. And I was going sort of downhill on my bike, so I was going pretty quick too. And I just stacked it, and it was just like traumatic. And I remember just going home. I was covered in blood, and I was like shaking. And Daniel was like, "Holy crap!" Like, and I was, he, did, he put me in the shower. I was just covered in blood, and he was like, "I have to go to a comp like two minutes." Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. It was and you said it was a Sunday, right? You were lucky. That's why there wasn't a lot of traffic. Yeah. yeah. So I was running on the road, and like when I. I fell my bike flung onto like the the lane like closest to me but it was a Sunday morning it was probably like you know 7 or 8 a.m and lucky it wasn't a like a busy you know Monday to Friday or whatever because my bike flung onto the road I was like holy shit so I like run into the road and get it and there was another car sort of coming in the other lane um yeah, so that was pretty lucky. Did anyone stop and go, are you all right? Are they so, <laughs> so um, I got my bike. Okay, so like I got my bike. I saw the magpie fly up to like the light post and like we locked eyes. <laughs> and then so we locked eyes. I had my bike and it came at me again. So it's come at me again. And as it's come close to me, like I flung my head forward to like avoid it. And it's flung back up to the other light. I was like, holy shit, like this magpie has it out for me. So I grabbed my bike and I like ran around the corner through my bike, I'm on the ground, I'm covered in blood, I'm covered in gravel, I'm crying. And then this guy rides past and he's like, don't go that way. The magpie just swooped me. I'm like, bro, why do you think I'm on the, like, why do you think I'm on the floor covered in blood? And he's like, are you okay? I'm like, no. He's like, do you want help? I'm like, no. And then he's like, bye. <laughs> and then just left. And I went home and yeah, washed all the blood off me. Oh, that's, um, I got a good magpie story for you as well. So when I worked on the NBN, uh, like doing telecommunications, me and my mate that worked together, we'd always do pranks on each other and shit. So it was always really funny. And then one time we're both walking out of this job and he was next to me. And this magpie swooped me and I thought he hit me in the back of the head. And I turned around and I was like, bro, that wasn't fucking funny because it was really hard. And he's like, he was laughing and he couldn't stop laughing. And I was angry because it felt like he just smacked me as hard as he could. Yeah. But I got swooped by a magpie. Yeah. And it just kept swooping us like throughout this whole job yeah. while we're walking around. But it only hit me the once. And yeah, it literally just felt like I got punched in the head. Yeah, brutal. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Magpies. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> so um, besides getting tagged by magpies, you, uh, you know, you changed your career completely. Yeah. Yourself and Daniel moved up here. You're both doing shop fitting together. You moved up here and, and opened Zero Southside. Can um, I ask quickly, how did you guys meet each other? How did that Thomas all? And yeah, I? Oh, yeah. Um, how did it happen? So through our old company, um, we travelled around Australia just building stores. Um, and yeah. we did a three-month job in the Gold Coast. We are staying in Hope Island. And when you were in Runaway Bay, mm -hmm. um, Daniel, you know, always headhunted like the best fucking gym wherever we were staying. And we ended up walking into Thomas's gym one day. We're like, Where, can we train here? Um, Daniel and Thomas obviously became friends, um, and then the rest is... Nice. That's cool. I never knew that story. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just randomly walked in, and Thomas was like, who the fuck are these two? And then we just trained there and became friends. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
when you moved up, did you have intentions to go down the nutrition route? or I can't even remember how we, we started. I think you just showed some interest and we're like, yeah, let's pursue it. So in um, what year would it have been? 2016. I don't know if you guys had it up here. It was called Sage Institute of Sport. So they did, there was like a college um, and they did like nutrition and childcare and massage and stuff. I don't know if you guys had it in Queensland. But it was like an actual college where you could go study. Um, so I enrolled that in that in 2016. So it was like you went to college, you know, three days a week or whatever. And I was doing, so I was like, I want to be a PT. Um, so I did my diploma of fitness there. Um, it was a 14 month thing. And so you learn PT, uh, nutrition, all that sort of stuff. But nine months in, um, we rocked up one day. So you had to go there four days a week. We rocked up one day. And I just remember there was like two guys in suits at the front door. And we're just like, what the hell? And they're like, you got to go home. And we're like, what the hell? Okay. So it was really strange. Came back the next day. There was a note on the door saying all students go home. Um, like there's no classes today. And we're like, okay, this is really weird. Um, a couple of guys from my class, um, started like a group chat with that teacher at the time who was super cool and he was like I don't know what's going on whatever hopefully we get an answer by Monday by Monday we get an email saying Sage has gone under it's gone into remission um, like you like your class and your you know whatever is non-existent anymore um, like that's the end and we were like what the fuck we just spent like so much money yeah. to, to do this um, I spent nine months you know of my life you know learning and whatever and then to get sort of nothing from it was just like a bit of a kick in the face and I put so much effort into it. So like, but a lot of that I learned, so they taught, you know, six months of that was nutrition. So I learned a lot of the fundamentals and basics then. Um, so I always had a little bit of background knowledge, passion, I guess. And then coming into this with zero, obviously I stayed with our, like our old company for a little bit just mm -hmm. because we just bought a business and we needed some money and, you know, we're trying to find our feet. So I stayed with them and for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So then we went into lockdown <laughs> and we're like, we, and so Daniel actually started working for the, our old company as well for a little bit over lockdown. Cause we we're just like, we need to pay our rent. Um, so yeah, I yeah did that. And then lockdown and COVID just got really, really bad. Um, and I remember just being in Adelaide at the airport. Like I was running jobs by myself without Daniel. Um, and I remember being in Adelaide at the airport COVID got really, really bad. This is before the border restrictions. And I just remember like landing in Adelaide, there was like 20 cops, like on a table, just like checking border passes. There was like army people with dogs and guns. And it was just insane. And I was just like, this is just way too scary right now. So mm. that was like the job that I was just like, I need to do something. Um, came home, actually stayed in Melbourne for a little bit with my sister because she had a baby um, and came then came back. We opened Southside and then I did heaps of research into nutrition courses where it like an entry point and then I did that worked my ass off got it done really quickly and now yeah I am where I am so I started um I went through sports nutrition association which is just like the it's a sort of like an entry point to become a sports nutritionist so that was about eight months I just studied like basics and that sort of thing but and then from there I I'm currently studying through is IOPN, which is the Institute of P Performance Nutrition, which I'm doing my exercise and sports nutrition through them. Um, so that's an 18-month uh, course, and I finish in November this year. Yeah, so awesome. I've been doing it for the last 12 months. Isn't it crazy how, like, because I remember I went to Adelaide and, and went through the same thing as well. Yeah. You know, then it's like if you had a, a, a little glisten under your nose, like, yeah, get out, go back. Yeah. Now you're like, I think I've got COVID. They're like, yeah, just go out into the wild, take a test. If you got it, just chill for a couple yeah. of days. Yeah. The trick is if you don't do a test, no one knows now. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. Insane. It's 
crazy how much it's changed. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And yeah, you, you really threw yourself into the deep end and um, uh, built up your skills really, really quickly while you're doing your studies as well. So um, we put a question and answer box. Uh, got a few questions to ask. What's the What's the first one on the list, James? Um, this is from, they want to remain anonymous. I have a comp in 10 weeks. How do I make weight? So I guess the question is, when is a good time to start nutrition? Yeah. Okay. Well, I actually have, do have a lot of clients that do come to me that are like, oh, I've got a comp in eight weeks or whatever. I need to drop eight kilos, you know. And I'm like, sweet. Doable, but hard. Not the best way to do it, but, you know, it is achievable. Um, I guess our mentality around making weight for comp is like, yes, you can water cut. Yes, you can sort of, you know, do what you need to do, but it's not the best way to do it. Being in a deficit in a peak is horrible. Um, like water cutting while you're in a deficit is hard as well. Um, so our sort of mentality is like you do, you put in the work before, you know, much, much, much more for. So like months and months and months before. So you get where you want to be and then maintain it that not trying to, you know, cut weight into comp. We want to like more eat into comp. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's important to synchronize nutrition and training. This is where a lot of people go wrong is that they, they see the two as separate entities and not, not realize how closely related they are, which sounds ridiculous. But uh, even though logically that makes sense, a lot of people just don't don't bother with it. They think of nutrition when they're 10 weeks out and like, oh, no, I'm three kilos over. I'm five kilos over. I better tighten things up. And it's so backwards. It's like that's where the training is most critical and you need to be fueling your performance. And so you, know, you guys have heard me say this on the podcast and I'll say it again. People typically do their nutrition approach backwards in powerlifting where they start thinking about their weight too close to comp and, st and then relax after the comp and put on weight. Do the opposite. After the comp, think about your weight class cut down so you can maintain and then eat up into your comps and your performance will be so, so, so much better. We get it with training a lot as well. Like people come and be like, I've got a comp in 10 weeks. Can you peak me? It's like, well, you don't realize all the work has been done. Literally, I, I can't make you stronger in eight weeks. I can help you with a program that helps you express your strength. But it's really important to me to, to, to explain to this person, whatever happens on the day, it doesn't necessarily represent my coaching and my brand. It's kind of like, well, you've done the work i can't turn this you know i can't turn this lump of coal into a diamond and it's the same with nutrition you know people come to you and they're like okay well i've got a, a comp in 10 weeks and then they'll be like okay well i've done this comp i've made weight but my performance was terrible maybe the nutrition was bad was like, no maybe it's because you came into it late yeah. we did our job and got you over the line and you don't realize that you need to be eating to fuel your performance that said the way that rochelle runs it people often perform really well and get pbs and uh, amazing so sign up well that's another thing like as um power lifters and athletes in general we we can monitor monitor our training 12 months a year no problem we think of each block you know we've planned it we've mapped out we've got a big plan when it comes to training we map out five week blocks you know we know where we're going but nutrition we don't uh put as much emphasis on it uh that's everyone you know do you, do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah so they're equally as important yeah. just as much as you're monitoring your training you should be monitoring your nutrition as well I guess that's where a nutrition coach comes into play. It's really interesting with the whole like um, synchronizing training because I think the mindsets conflict. It's like when you're training into a competition, your mindset is like laser focused on this thing um, and your nutrition focus then becomes laser focused on this thing. So you tune in too late and then after the comp, you get really relaxed with both as well. It's like I'm relaxed with my training. I should be relaxed. I can be relaxed with my nutrition it's like there is a small period where that's the case, but pretty soon after, you need to be thinking about what's next. If you're serious about this, yeah. like if you're going to do well, you're you're not thinking about 
okay, 10 weeks out, now I start getting serious. You're serious all the time. And that means aligning your nutrition and training goals to give you the best outcome when competitions come up. Yeah. Um, I guess, um, how do you, when you've got these people, you know, coming eight, 10, 12 weeks out, it, it's a broad question. Um, but what's, what's the best way to manage this? Is it sort of case by case, whether you go into a deficit and try and cut some weight or maintain weight and fuel performance and then do a water cut? Yeah, well, I guess it's very individualized and it depends on how much they need to drop. Um, and, you know, if they're a 110 kilo guy to a 70 kilo girl, it's very different. Um, yeah, normally it, it's very individualized. They, If they want a water cut, just knowing that the rehydration process is like the most important part of all of it and to listen to everything that I'm saying the week of. Mm. A lot of people can mess up water cuts and it just be so detrimental to their comp on the day, cramping, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's very individualised, but normally if they need to drop weight, you need to put them in a deficit. Like that's the only way to do it. But yeah. if you do need a water cut, reach out to myself. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll take you in the right direction. Please don't do Step that. Step one, lie. <laughs> <laughs> what do you weigh? Uh, 85. <laughs> nah. Um, what's our next question? Um, <clears throat> is meal timing important? Meal timing is important if you're doing everything else right. So if you're doing the other fundamentals, if you're sleeping properly, if you're training properly, if you're recovering properly... If, you know, you're hydrated, if you're not, you know, slamming so much caffeine. So if you get the fundamentals right, then to me, meal timing is important. But get the other stuff right first and then meal timing becomes even more, more important. Um, especially with strength training, pre and post. Um, training is super, super important. Um, but you have to get the other stuff right first. Because, you know, uh, for me, when I think of meal timing, I think of when I first started getting into training, you know, you'd watch the bodybuilders and things internet they're like you got to eat every two and a half hours otherwise yeah stoke the metabolism yeah you're gonna go catabolic or you're gonna miss the anabolic window and you know what i mean so um and then there's the other spectrum of meal time uh like then there's the iifym is the acronym right yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. so then there's there's those people that are like no it doesn't matter and there was a period there on YouTube where, you know, these guys were fasting for like 16 hours and then having these massive meals. And um, yeah, so there's two completely different ends of the spectrum. Um, for me, I was thinking, sorry, for me, I was just thinking it's more of a routine thing to eat at uh, specific times. Yeah. So yeah. that's how I look at meal timing. Um, routine, like I like harp onto all of my clients, like routine and structure is key to anything. Um, so ha- eating the same sort of stuff, the same sort of times every day, you know, if you do have that routine and are lucky enough to have that with your days is key to anything. Um, so, yeah, for sure. But having the other things in place with sleep, hydration, all that sort of stuff is even more important. Mm. Um, it's a really hard thing in our industry in general. There's so many instances like the meal timing thing where, you know, there's been studies done or it's been shown about muscle protein synthesis this and, you know, pre-training and intra-training carbohydrate that that make an impact but the impact is so small that it's not worth talking about yeah and it's it's like you know if it's like the anabolic window it does it exist well yeah does it matter probably not or not so much you know it's a 0.1 percent kind of thing and so people will stress so hard on making sure they get their their post-training meal in this magical window or something like that or spreading their meals out perfectly two hours uh, you know every two hours a day or something like that 
and maybe not be hitting the bigger factors like eating enough calories yeah. or eating too many calories or, uh, you know, ignore, uh, sticking to these mystical rules and then messing things up. So it's like people who train first thing in the morning. You know, we're, we're dr- it's drummed into us. You need to eat before training. You don't need to eat before anything. You don't need to do anything. So if you can wake up and train and you feel good and you perform well, great. If you wake up and you eat and then you train and then you feel sick and you don't perform well, eating before training is not for you in that instance. Yeah. Like there's, there's, there's often bigger fish to fry first, like Rochelle was saying. Don't major in the minors. Get on top of the, the big rocks first and then you can worry about the minutiae if you have to. Yeah. Like a lot of, if I've got like the sort of athlete client, I'll harp on with them because I know they're doing all the other one percenters spot yeah. on. Uh, the, like the gem pop-ish clients, just eat enough protein, like spread it out throughout the day. Like it doesn't matter as much, but it's just so individualized and it just really depends on where they're at with their goals and their training. Um, if I'll harp on or not really. Mm. Yeah. Gen pop is the hardest because they're the, so the biggest believers in the myths. Yes. They're so easily influenced by what so-and-so says and what so-and-so does and often miss the bigger picture context. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's really funny how we are really good at undermining how spectacular our body is at doing stuff. So, oh, I'm going to trick my body into doing this. Yeah, tricking shit. <laughs> you don't even know how your body fucking works. <laughs> We're scientists. We don't even know how our fucking body works. There's so many... Uh, anyway, next. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <clears throat> how important are macronutrient breakdowns? Again, I guess it sort of is same sort of with the last answer. If it's important, but total calories, I guess, in my opinion, are more important. Um, obviously, macronutrient breakdowns are important to me as as long as you're hitting your protein targets, especially in like the industry that we're in. That's the most important. Um, but just again. Depends on the client, if it's like the athlete or the gem pop. Um, so it's very individualized. But like to me, it's important. I have a lot of clients that will come to me and like their macronutrient target may be a little bit skewed. If like they wouldn't be eating as much protein as they should, maybe higher fat, not as much carbs. I'll tweak them a little bit and they'll see some weight fall off straight away because they're fueling their body optimally. Um, so in that aspect, yes. But like to a T and to a gram, like it's really not like calories are more important. You just kind of reminded me, so, you know, there's all these different, uh, you know, you got your veganism is obviously a little bit more, eth- it's ethically a little bit different to other d- diets. Uh, what else is there? There's carnivores, keto and-, keto and all that. At the end of the day, they all come down to the exact same thing, which is funny. But what do, what do you think pushes people in those directions? Is it because it's the first time they've had success with a diet? or So when I first saw results in myself, because I was doing CrossFit, and so early, you know, 2012, keto was a huge thing in there. Yeah. So I just started removing carbs and I lost, you know, I lost weight. I was in a calorie deficit, yeah. but I swore by keto because I was like, fuck, I'm getting so lean. Like keto, this shit really works. But it was just because I was in a calorie deficit. How do you, um, have you worked with any clients that have, you know, come from a historically had success with a diet and have been like, can we go, can we lean towards this way or? Yeah, I have. Um, Vegan. Um, I had a young girl come to me who was vegan, didn't really have much knowledge about the whole situation about like how important protein and red meat was for like a 16, 17 year old girl. Um, I would always try to give her the health advice that I knew was 
correct and eventually over like a couple of years she started introducing meat to her diet because to me red meat and protein for a growing young girl is so important um so I helped her she wasn't doing it for political reasons and she was just doing because she thought that was right well it was right um so I helped her just guide her in a little bit of a direction to help her with that and keto same sort of thing People lose weight because they're not eating carbs because carbs hold water and like they'll see like, you know, they'll reduce carbs and the scale will start going down because their body's not holding as much water as it is. So they're like, oh shit, yeah, I'm like losing weight. I'm going to keep doing this. But it's not forever. Like carbs isn't like an essential macronutrient, but like it thrives off carbs. So mm. then like, you know, you're like, oh, I want some bread. And then as soon as you do that, the scale will jump back up because your body will be holding water again. Mm. Yeah, I, I was actually I got into a vicious cycle like that because you know yeah. you, I just craved carbs. Like yeah. it's like the sorry I don't know anything about nutrition, but I'm guessing it's the main energy energy source, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So like I was just craving carbs, and then so I'd eat you know I'd binge on a whole bunch of white rice or you know some bread, and then I'd see the scales jump up straight away. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. yeah. Back to avocado and eggs <laughs> kind of thing. So it's just kind of like a vicious cycle. <laughs> yeah. Just to clarify for for Rochelle's sake, she doesn't go around tell, telling vegans to eat red meat. That was, a, that was a very special case that was that was worked out over over a long period of time. So that yeah, just just in case there's any vegans or partners of vegans that are being like these zero people are telling going around and tell vegans to eat meat. No, not not quite. The, the main veganism is an interesting thing because you'd think that you know cutting cutting out meat and then replacing it with primarily plant foods is going to be really healthy. You know, it's going to be really good. And, and in large part it is like we should all in general probably be eating more plant-based foods than we are. Um, the big thing with, with veganism is th there's things, your, your food has uh, amino acids in it and uh, plant-based proteins are pretty selective about the amino acids that they have. So you have to have complementary proteins. You need to e be eating protein from lots of different sources to make sure you're getting everything you need. And so vitamin and mineral deficiencies are really, really, really hard to get for almost everyone. Uh, veganism can be a little bit higher on the, the risk uh, the, the risk sort of diet of potentially missing out on some stuff that might make you feel not very good if you stick to it for long periods of time. Um, so it's just a, about understanding, okay, what's missing from my diet and how do I find that with sources that I feel uh, ethically, morally, whatever the, the case is, okay to eat. Um, the, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, but uh, like obviously I studied nutrition at uni and I, I started early as a kid getting really interested because I was a big, fat, obese kid and I really wanted to lose weight. So I did my research. Um, one of the first books I read was The Atkins Diet, which is where keto kind of became popularized. I was keto for two years. Like I avoided carbs for like two years. Then my next fad that I stuck to for ages was high fiber. I was Ooh. eating like 60 or 70 grams of fiber a day. <laughs> I was like, fiber is everything. I have to eat fiber. Uh, I've been through lots of fads. I did a, I did intermittent fasting for like a year. I did something called carb backloading, which is basically intermittent fasting. And then you eat all your carbohydrates after dinner. I got so fat doing that. Because <laughs> I, never, I never believed in counting calories. And so it's like most of these keto things like James was doing high fat, super high fat. So I was like, yeah, coffee and cream all day. Don't eat anything. Then after in carb backloading, they really promote high sugar sort of stuff. So like cereal, ice cream. I was like, yes, yeah, cereal. Ice cream. I just got real fat, real fast. It was great. You've seen me go through a few fads here as well. Eh? You did carnivore for ages. Yeah. I, I gave carnivore a few cracks. How often did you poo? Um, 
the first time was horrible. So the first time I, I think it took me like four or five days to go toilet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You must have felt like, <laughs> you must yeah. have felt terrible. Yeah, I felt disgusting. <laughs> but like, I was just so good. Like for lunch, I'd have a steak. And remember I was like having like beef cheeks and shit because yeah. it was over lockdown. Yeah, So yeah, I had a yeah. little bit more time on my hands. So I was making like slow cooked Yum. beef cheeks. No, we, we didn't see each other over lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, my inside. bad. <laughs> And then um so I was and then I was having like a kilo of chicken wings for dinner. So I was like, I'm living the dream <laughs> until I couldn't go toilet. <laughs> and then um what else have I done? I've tried going plant based a few times. I actually did I was like plant based for nine months, but I've had a few cracks at it here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel good and like it's like, you know, it's an you think of the ethical side of things and you just feel good when you're eating more plants and veggie like vegetables and fruits. You feel good. It just makes you feel really good, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't ticking over those, uh, turning over the big rocks. I was just kind of doing it mindlessly. So that's why I didn't get anywhere with it. Yeah, I did the same thing for four years. I was plant-based for four years. Mm. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it was Compl- good. I felt great. Then like I tried to do it again and I was, I didn't do it properly and I was really lethargic. Any was, eggs or dairy? Um, I had or eggs fish? occasionally. No fish, no meat at all. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Have you done yeah. any fad diets? I did like- Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I never have my phone on loud. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. I tried like the whole keto thing for, I think I, Daniel and I did it together. Nice. Maybe like three or four months and I was just like, I need some fucking potatoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, but not really. Like I've never done the vegan. Yeah, just mainly the keto thing, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Mm. What, uh, oh, I don't know what I was going to say. Um. So you mentioned you've done a few nutrition courses. Yeah. Uh, what is the best nutrition course to do? Like, where, where do people start? If people say, I want to be a nutritionist, what what do you recommend? Well, I, I did do a lot of research, like, the best way to get into it. And I, yeah, I guess the what I did was probably definitely the best way to do it. So through Sports Nutrition Associ- Association, um, that was the entry point, And then going through IOPN now um, to do the, my exercise and sports nutrition. What do you think was missing from them? Um, so this one I'm doing is a little bit like a more sciencey, um, it's just, it's just knowledge really, um, not really teaching how to like, as to apply it as much, it's more just giving you the knowledge to figure out how to apply it yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, but that knowledge I guess is more like super important and then you'd figure out the rest yourself. Yeah. I think it's really important to hear, like, uh, you know, my degree is a, a bachelor of health science with a major in nutrition and then I did an honors in public health. And I get so many people be like, oh, I'm so desperate to be a personal trainer and I want to coach nutrition. So I'm going to go to uni and do a nutrition degree. Like, don't do that yeah. because you will learn nothing that you want to learn. Yeah. You're going to do a first year of just straight up chemistry, biochemistry and public health. You're going to hate every single part of it and then you're going to leave it by year two. It's going to be a waste of time and money. And at the end of it, you're going to be no more skilled in terms of prescribing meal plans, prescribing nutrition guidelines for someone wanting to get on the bodybuilding stage or for someone wanting to get shredded or for someone wanting to get huge or do powerlifting. You're going to be no more skilled in doing that. Um, so I talk a lot of people out of doing the degree at nutrition uh, at university because it's not the degree that people are looking for. Um, and I sat on uh, the curriculum advisory panel for QUT here in, in, in uni after uh, in Queensland after I finished uni as like a student advisor to the curriculum. And that's the thing I would say over and over and over. The course is fantastic if it's what you want. And the unis are really bad at putting out there what the course 
leads to as a job. I think they've gotten better. I've been out of the scene for a while. But back then, you had no idea what you were getting into until your final year. And I think historically, a lot of the courses that are out there, even like ISSN, um, whatever else is available in Australia, there's great information, uh, but there's not a lot of practical application. What was good with SNA was uh, when you finished it, they gave you like pretty much like four options of like courses to go with depending on where you wanted to like where you like what direction you were going with so like IOPN was more strength based and endurance based um there was another course that was like more team sports and so like they gave you options of like f- what direction you wanted to go in so that's why I went with th- this the one I'm with now but they they were really like that was really cool like just to mm. give options of direction yeah yeah so cool yeah so cool um and and i mean this is a good time for me to plug the fact that we're going to do a nutrition course through through zero because much like training like i've been coaching people now for a decade and i've looked for courses so often there's just nothing out there that says like this is a squat bench deadlift and this is how you teach it so i did the coach development thing and i feel the same about nutrition there's so many courses out there that are either general or specific but specific to a population that's not necessarily applicable to us and very little information out there as to how to actually structure the coaching, how to communicate with clients, how to uh, understand how to build the plan from scratch according to the principles, the science that we need to understand without just being straight up science and then go have fun and figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've been doing some um, some groundwork with that, so it's pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. So, long story short, buy the nutrition coaching course. <laughs> when, does that, when does that release? Is there an intake? Uh, hoping for before the end of the year. Sweet, that's exciting. So we'll we'll post more about it as we um as we start to build it out. We've got a general structure and framework, sort of planned out. A little bit more planning and work to do there, and then um we'll put the feelers out and, and get an email list and keep everyone up to date. That's awesome. Can I do the Can I do the water cut segment? <laughs> no, definitely <laughs> not. All right, sweet. Um, <clears throat> we've kind of already touched on this, but. I don't know, you might want to reframe this for me, Thomas, but how important is nutrition for powerlifting? Since we're a powerlifting podcast, we all work in the powerlifting industry. How important is it for powerlifting? Was that a question to me or Thomas? Okay. Obviously very, very important. Um, Strength training in general, powerlifting in general, food is everything. Um, Goal dependent, always individually independent, but yeah, I guess food is everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, again, we have to think about what what is a powerlifter's ultimate goal is to be stronger. Um, And to be stronger, you have to put in the work, train really hard. To train, you need to be able to fuel your performance and recover adequately. And so I I really don't want to feed into this um, this stereotype. Uh, But back in the day, it would be like, oh, yeah, powerlifters get fat and eat whatever they want. And don't care about nutrition. And people continue to perpetuate that these days. People are like, yeah, powerlifters just eat whatever they want. I don't think that's the case. I reckon powerlifters are are getting really good at nutrition because there's more attention to the sport now. There's more people like you coaching it properly and people can see the result that's coming out of it. So is it important for powerlifting? Fuck yeah, it is. It's absolutely important for powerlifting. Yeah. I... Uh, Sorry. I see some of my clients are obviously very powerlifting driven. Um, Someone like Toby, like everybody in the zero world knows Toby now. I started coaching with him and he was like 135, 140 kilos. And we've been working together. I actually looked at our check-in 65 weeks now. So like over a year and a half and that year and a half he's down to 108. He's looking incredible and like the strongest that he's ever been. Like, so I'm very 
very passionate about sort of like Toby just because he's such an awesome person. But yeah, just seeing the progression from this 140 kilo person that I we don't even see anymore to this like 107, 100 kilo, sorry, 100, so 107 kilo person who's stronger than ever is just like incredible. Mm. He's looking jacked as well. So good. Yeah, it looks really, really good. Yeah. I, lo- I love how the pendulum in powerlifting is swinging the completely other way where yeah. people are taking the nutrition way more seriously. Yep. It's like when you hear people, st- I still get a shock when I hear people say, it's more of a joke these days, but when people are like, accessories? We don't do accessories. Oh, more than five reps is cardio. Yeah. When I hear that, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That joke was old like five years ago. That's Stop what saying I mean. that. People mm. perpetuate these stereotypes and keep them alive and they need to just die. Yeah. It's not even, no one even thinks like when that. When they talk about the power belly. Yeah. Well. That's another one. This is <laughs> the thing, right? So, like, I, I think the reason, uh, besides like the past where there were a lot of big fat powerlifters, um, I think the reason people maybe think that powerlifting is a little bit more relaxed about nutrition is because of the weight classes. You know, in bodybuilding, it's it's literally about how you look, whereas um, a mindset that we still need to tackle is, you know, when a 90 kilo lifter goes, I'm going to compete in the hundreds, trying to get to 100 kilos really quick. If you're going from 90 to 100, let's say you are juiced to the gills and you're doing this over a period of six months, you're not going to put on that much muscle, even with the help of performance enhancing drugs. You just don't get that muscly that quickly. And so people who are jumping weight classes and putting on that weight really quickly are just getting fat. And the important thing is uh, to remember is that to maximize your weight class, you want to be as lean as possible at maintenance calories. Yeah. Because... Fat doesn't move weight. Muscle does. Muscle is the active tissue. You want to have as little fat as possible without eating into a deficit that's going to reduce your performance. You want to be as lean as possible in your weight class with as much muscle as you can hold while eating in a, in a, in a you know, calorie-neutral environment. That's going to be the best outcome. And so the more people that we can influence to be like, okay, being leaner is not only better from a health and longevity perspective, because that's what I'm passionate about. I care about people's long-term health. I care about eating vegetables and eating fiber and more than just like, yeah, performance is king. I care about nutrition as a whole. But also when it comes to performance, um, eating, staying lean is really important Yeah, to maximize what you're getting out of your weight class. The other thing with eating quote unquote healthy, you know, eating, eating high, high quality foods is that if you are healthy, you feel good. And when you feel good, you perform well. Yeah, you know, 100%. When, when James was eating beef cheeks nonstop and couldn't shit for five days, he didn't feel great. And I guaranteed that his performance would have been great if he w- wouldn't have been great if he was trying to max out in the gym. Well, that's what me and Rochelle were just talking about before, before on air, on air, recording podcast. Before we were live. She was just, I was just mentioning how much of a weight I've dropped. And she just said, oh, have you been conscious of it? And I was like, nah, because we're not eating shit. I just feel disgusting running. So you're just more conscious of what you're eating because, you know, I can't fucking stuff down a almond croissant and chocolate and stuff before I go for a run. You've got to be a little bit more conscious of what you're eating. Mm. So to me, like you said, it's just the quality of food that you're eating. It's it's really interesting how it comes self-fulfilling as well. Mm. Um, Again, because I'm passionate about nutrition and long-term health and everything, even though sometimes I go off the rails a bit, I always eat a lot of vegetables, Mm. like tons and tons of veggies. And when I don't, I feel terrible. So if I don't do that during the week, I know my training is going to be terrible or feel terrible. uh, And that's really important to me. So I just don't do it. And the longer that you do that, the longer you eat well, the bigger the contrast you have of when you eat shit and feel bad, the less often you do it. Like it looks after itself. 
And it's not that I don't like that kind of food. If I could eat KFC all day, every day, I 100% would. But I know it'll make me feel terrible. And if I feel terrible, I don't train well. And training makes me happy. So like it becomes this like self-fulfilling thing where it becomes easier and easier and easier to stay consistent, to eat well, to stick to your plan, uh, the more you do it. And, and so it's just about realigning your priorities to be like, what's really important to me here? If you can focus on that work backwards, it starts to get into routine and happen on its own. That's awesome. I've actually, um, I actually got nutrition uh, coaching from Rochelle and uh, I'm not the most compliant client. I think I had two cracks with you, maybe three. I think two. Two, yeah. So, th- two. so the first time, useless. I don't think I even did a week. <laughs> Wasted Rochelle's time. Second time, I was committed. I think I started at 93. Yeah. 93 kilos. Yep. And with Rochelle's help, it was actually pretty quick. Yeah. And I was, I think I was eating more. I got down to 85 kilos. Yeah. 85.9. That's when I was, you know, training with my shirt off in the gym. <laughs> I was really feeling myself after being, you know, I was, I was a sloppy mess. Yeah. But it was just, Rochelle got me into that habit of being consistent with my nutrition. Yeah. She wasn't very strict. Like I was like, holy shit, I'm still eating the same foods that I was eating. It was just in a more controlled environment, I guess you could say. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you know, it was just, it was just really easy to follow. Like when I think of dieting, I think of, well, a lot of, sorry, a lot of the general population think of this. They think structured meal plans, you know, they have to spend millions, hundreds of dollars on groceries every single week and lots of it's going to go to waste. And it just wasn't that when I was working with Rochelle. So thanks to you, Rochelle. I'm, uh, you got me, you set me off on the right path and uh, I've continued down that path. Awesome. Yeah. A lot of people come to me and they're either eating too little or like just not the right food types. Um, and if you learn to increase your food you actually start to drop weight because your body's in like a happy state or if you change some food types like if you're eating like gnocchi and stuff every day change some food types and your body is happier just because it's digesting the food properly and you'll drop weight so just like changing food types maybe even increasing food from what you were like things happen Mm. yeah it was um sorry to interrupt um that was so one of my uh, clients, David Wilcock, that's why he started nutrition with you in the first place. Because yeah. he saw that I was dropping weight. He was like, you'll get looking good. And then he'd see me before our sessions, I'd be having a bagel with cream cheese and jam yeah. when like 500 mils of orange juice. He's like, aren't you meant to be on a diet? And I'm like, this is part of it, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Jump on board. That's why it's, it's so important to have a nutrition coach if you if you struggle with this because we're taught from a very early age to have a really strong emotional connection with what our weight means, with what our body image means, with what the scales mean, with what food means. And it's really important to be able to disconnect from that to, to get into a, um, a really healthy arrangement with food. Like people dig themselves into this hole of a cycle that they can't see where they restrict, 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 binge, 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 um, and then stare at the scales. And if the scales move up at all, it's the end of the world. Rather than looking at, okay, well, this is just an arbitrary resi- uh, measure of the resistance of my body against the sh- scales. Like it's, it's literally just a metric. Yeah. And so like scales are meant to go up sometimes. It's a good thing to go up and it's not, it's not inherently good for the scales to, to go down. It's just where we're drilled into like, think of how much praise someone gets when they lose weight versus how much no praise someone gets when they gain weight. Yeah. Everyone's like, wow, you're looking so good. Or someone posts something, yeah, wow, I've lost 10 kilos. Like all praise, all positive emotion is attached to being smaller. Yeah. And that's just it subconsciously drilled into us. And so, um, you know, then we're told eat less to get smaller, which is true for sure. 
but it creates this huge amount of fear around food, around the scales, around stuff. Then we just have to unwind this so we can help people make progress. And that's what you do so beautifully. Yeah, I've grown some really cool relationships with my clients because, and just helping them around the mindset of, you know, not attaching the number of the scale to, you know, what who they are as a person and that sort of thing. And talking about so much more than just the food and everything else that comes with it. And then they start to sort of just be more, more okay with everything. Mm. Yeah. It was always, when I was nutrition coaching, it was always the scariest thing for me. Like the, the way we do it, um, the system I was using, the system that Rochelle uses as well, is like, we, you know, we set the baseline numbers and we get a baseline by getting an average over two weeks. Yeah. And so you, you're given an amount of food or a meal plan, whatever you choose to receive that you're meant to stick to for two weeks. And the real scary part for us is, do the scales go up and down and how much coaching are we going to need to give this person to be okay with whatever direction happens? Yeah. Because if the scales go down, they celebrate like crazy. And it's like, well, actually, slow down. This is just an initial drop while you adapt to what you're eating is probably going to stop. If they go up, it's fucking end of the world. And like, oh, I thought you were supposed to be the, the weapon at this. I thought you were really good at nutrition. Why are the scales? Go patience, patience, patience. It's always the scariest couple of like, what's the first way in going to be? What's the first way in going to be? Uh, but the, the more you get results, the more you can sort of uh, preempt all this stuff and guide people through it, I suppose. Yeah. There was um one thing that I really looked forward to every week was my chickens with you yeah just because um it kind of just kept me motivated for the next week yeah. you know i'd be quite you know i'd be fired up to read that feedback and you know seeing that i've lost 200 grams or whatever and rochelle is she gonna update my plan am i gonna go into more of a deficit or is it gonna stay the same but just reading that feedback just kind of for me it was just motivating to keep going it's like sweet now i'm i'm doing this for myself but i'm also you know i've employed rochelle as my uh, rochelle as my nutrition coach and i'm kind of doing this for her too i don't want to let her down so it's kind of a that's what I really enjoyed about the process as well. Yeah, I speak to my clients like I, some people hate doing the check-ins, but I, I always say like, use it as a diary, like mm. reflect on your week, use it as a diary, see how you've been, like that's when we talk about, like I talk about, you know, pretty in-depth things with some clients, you know, like females with like the menstrual cycle and how much that can play a part in all of this as well. Um, just absolutely everything. So just, it's you're checking in with me, but you're checking in with yourself as well. Mm. Yeah. It's funny because, um, you know, as a coach, you see clients that are a little bit, uh, you know, they they get really in their own head about things and they're always on your case. And I realized I was that nutrition client with Rochelle. I'd ring her on a Saturday and be like, hey, I'm going to have Guzman. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I don't know why I'm asking her, but I just, yeah, I, I ended up being one of those clients. But it, it that faded out over time. So thanks for your help, Rochelle. No problem. Um. That's it for the questions. I've got a few more questions. They're not nutrition questions. Does anyone else have any nutrition questions for a show? Nah, anything you want to tie off with the nutrition side of things? I think we've covered heaps. Oh. I've, got, I've got a question for you. Yeah. What does your nutrition look like now that you're a hybrid athlete? Oh, yeah, good wow. question. Holy mm. cows. I <laughs> Can I answer for you? In the morning, it's chicken and potato. In the afternoon, it's chicken and potato. In the evening, it's chicken and potato. I am such a creature of habit. Um... My, I literally eat the same thing almost every single day. It's like eggs and toast and Vegemite for breakfast. I'll have like a chicken salad wrap or chicken, veg and rice, two meals. And for dinner, I'll have like lean mince and veggies. And I'll have yogurt and berries at night. Like it's every single day. I eat five structured times throughout the day with some chocolate thrown in every day. Solid. What, what kind of chalky? Oh, fucking anything. <laughs> yeah. Like I had the boysenberry Cadbury. Have you mm. had it? Yeah. Amazing. The new one that's out. Any, nah. Anything Kit Kat. Kit Kat yep. is my favorite thing in the world. Um, yeah. So I'm a very creature of habit when it comes to my food. So I, I've started eating dark chocolate. 
So I started eating dark chocolate. For the antioxidants. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-training with pomegranate juice. Nah, so I started eating dark chocolate because it's what you just see people do that when they're healthy. Eugene Teo. Yeah, yeah. I love Eugene Teo. That's, that's, that's why I started doing yeah. it. Wait, so you're eating liver as well? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'll go down that uh, rabbit hole soon though. But um, so I started eating dark chocolate because I was like, cool, I can control myself. I can have two squares a night before bed with my cup of tea. But now I'm a dark chocolate guy. Yeah. So now it's not just like a... For me now, dark chocolate's my favorite thing. So now I'll go look for like dark chocolate Kit Kats, and yeah. I look for everything dark chocolate. So good, I love it so much. Yep. Um. All right, I got a few questions. My first question is, who's got better hair, Daniel Carpenter or Toby Downing? <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say Daniel for 2016. I don't know if anyone stalked his Instagram for when he was oh. younger. I know Allow Thomas has. Allow me. <laughs> I'll show you guys after. Um, when we were younger, he had some sick hair. He'd always have like shaved on the side, fade, whatever. He was he was fresh. Um, so I'm always going to go my... Daniel. Oh, that's that's love. But Toby is apparently going to some fancy bar bar this weekend <laughs> and he hasn't stopped talking about it. So we'll see what happens. They love it. Wait, wh- what's it? I don't understand why he needs to go to a bar bar. Yeah, he has no hair to cut. Um. <laughs> <laughs> when you ask him though, he says it's coming in hot. Yeah. So it's coming in hot. I'm like, not really. <laughs> He's been growing it out the last month because his brother's here and they're going to some fancy barber that they went to together like fucking five years ago or something. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. It started because Daniel told him he couldn't grow hair, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And Toby's like, I'll show you. So now <laughs> he's just got like this like bomb fluff thing happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good. Battle of the bald guys. Yeah. Nice, I love nice, it. Nice. It's the south side to a T. Um, all right. Three people you'd want to invite over to dinner, dead or alive? Fucking hell. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know. Show them the, okay, work. my Show them the um, works actually, language there. Fucking hell. Sorry. Know, <laughs> like, fuck. Yeah, fuck okay, number one would be, uh, okay, I'm, I have a slight obsession with Post Malone. Um, love his music. Uh, I just think he's super cool. Parties, he can just, yeah, he'd have an interesting life to speak to. Mm. He would be my number one. I listen to his album every day when I'm working at home. I just put it on and I know every single so- every single word to every single song of his new album. Anyways, um, he would be my number one. Number two would be... Oh, jeez. I don't know. Can I just have him? Just me and him intimate? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> if it's just you and him, just that apparently he smells like shit, eh? Oh, really? Yeah, apparently he smells really bad. Uh, I must admit, he looks like he smells He does. Like yeah. He does. He looks <laughs> like that. Actually, um, and Shay Mitchell... So she is an actress that was on Pretty Little Lies who I had the biggest crush on. She's amazing and she's hot. So I'd have her and... Um, and Post Malone. Yeah. Nice. One yeah. smelly, ugly person, one... Oh, absolute babe. <laughs> then me, you, you, me, you and Daniel can go out. Yeah. <laughs> Boys night. How good. Um, so what are your three favourite albums of all time? Well, Post Malone. Post Malone's yes. new album, 12, um, his new one. Oh, gosh. Probably his... Last one and the one before that. Let's just roll with that. Ah, we're slightly <laughs> obsessed, I see. Yeah. What are your thoughts on French onion soup? Um, I not my favorite thing in the world. Combined uh, with kangaroo mints. Oh, <laughs> I was gutted, bro. So that sucked. Remember when I started eating kangaroo mints because you guys? And yeah. Daniel's like, yeah, bro, just put French onion soup in it, and I did it. It was the worst thing I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And I can't do it. I couldn't eat any of the meals. I. I pretty much have to walk out of the kitchen every time he cooks because it just stinks. It stinks so bad and I can't <laughs> do it. I can't even look at it anymore. Would he eat vegetables if it wasn't for you? Like he, I see him munch on a carrot maybe like one once every three days. Oh, and I'm vertical. Like, yeah. And well, he only eats vegetables at night because I cook it. 
Nice. The amount of foods I've tried to eat because I've seen Daniel eating because he's jacked. I'm like, oh, looks like I'm eating that tomorrow. And then I'll try it. I'm like, yep, that sucked. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> I used to send videos of Daniel. Like, what do, what do you eat this week? And he'd tell me. And I cooked the exact same thing. And I sent him a video of me pr- it all prepped. Like... Ten containers, and I'd literally eat two of them. Like, that's <laughs> disgusting. What do you mean every week? He's eaten the same food since I met him in like 2016. He's eaten like three kangaroo and rice meals every single day for like mm. last maybe four years, without a doubt. I and bought I'm glass containers because of him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that looks so much better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next question is: What are your three favorite movies of all time? Gosh. Um. Okay. My actual favorite movie uh, is called Up. I don't know if you guys know it. It's an animated movie. Yeah, yes. you guys have heard of it? it's oh. one of like three movies that make me cry. Oh yeah, so that's <laughs> like when my I'll like rug up in my udi and watch it, and it just really makes me feel nice. Um, but I did cry with that one. Oh jeez, another two. We'll just roll with that one. Sweet. Yeah. What's your favorite shoe? Um, I do like these ones that I'm wearing at the moment. I'm not sure if the camera can see. These are my I Nike ID'd these ones. So I created these oh, myself. Nice. Yeah, I labelled the inside tag. It says, how is kicks don't touch. <laughs> um, so I made them myself. I live in just all different kinds of Nikes and Jordans, I guess. But these would probably be my favourite ones because they've got my touch on it. They're, they're actually a 77, 1977 blazer high top blazer, for yeah. the people listening at yes. home. Thank you. Just a wee flex. Amazing. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. You did well. Oh, thanks. You didn't freak out. Right? Yeah, you did really good. <laughs> yeah. Why were you so nervous? Uh, I don't know. It was very natural compared to Daniel's first one. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? Very. What was that? I just used to love, remember when we first started filming stuff with Daniel? That was the best. His, <laughs> his camera voice. Yeah. Hey it's guys, good. Daniel here. But I used, he was just like this in the chair when he first sat down. <laughs> like, bro, relax. He couldn't move. <laughs> Stuck. <laughs> Uh, much more relaxed on the second one but it's not about him it's about you thank you very much thank you find Rochelle through Zero Southside get coached by her and you will be jacked and strong and shredded guaranteed all your money back (laughs) probably not the last part (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for the guarantee All right. see us bye bye Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.